everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where the only thing we were missing last night here in the New York area was a huge arc and a few doves. Otherwise, seemed like everything else was covered. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, General Manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and the voice and face of Breaking Bread Oven on Instagram dropped another video last night on Breaking Bread Oven. You can find it there. Check it out. That This new recipe, in my opinion, is a game changer. You can find me here every Thursday right after Allison and right before Nahum's live lunch. I'm very much looking forward to the live lunch today, particularly because Nahum and I were not on the air together last week. So we, I'm sure, have so many things to discuss. And in addition, it's always fun to do the live lunch with Nahum right after I've asked him to be a guest on my show. So we have basically uh, two and a half hours of Miriam and Nahum for the next you know, two and a half hours. Hope it. In, hope you enjoy it. I am very much looking forward to it. Um, reminder that Nachum's El Chesed campaign is very much underway. If you have not yet donated to terror-victims.org.il, I highly encourage you to do so. I have made my donation. It is money well spent. It directly goes to feeding victims of terror for the Yom Tovim. If you've never seen them in ec- in action, Orme or Ubracha does incredible work, and they certainly have their work cut out for them this yuntif. So please do what you can at terror-victims.org.il. Also, uh, please sponsor a day of El Show for Blowing. We have a little bit of time left, literally. Please sponsor a day of El Show for Blowing at JM and the AM by going to fjbunity.org. Click on Sponsorship Opportunities. And with that, I do want to wish B. Rosenbaum a birthday. It was her birthday on Tuesday, and in her honor, Show for Blowing was sponsored by her good friend, her good friend, by our good friend, Ralph, by her husband, Ralph, who, of course, is the ch- was the chairman of our Dubai trip and certain to be chairman of other projects we have, please God, coming up the pike. So if you want to sponsor El Show for Blowing for a birthday, in memory of someone, or in honor of a refua for someone, you certainly can do that by going to fjbunity.org and clicking on Sponsorship Opportunities. In, and uh, speaking of a refua, I ask you uh, personally, I ask on behalf of everyone at the Young Israel Woodmere for you to daven for Tuvia Moshe Ben Peril. Tuvia Moshe Ben Peril for a refua. Tuvia Lefkovich, who is a prominent member of the Young Israel Woodmere and uh, a very well known member of the Five Towns, was in a terrible accident yesterday in which he was hit in front of the young Israel, and is uh, in need of our tefillot. So again, that's a refua for Tuvia Moshe Ben Peril. National holidays today. It's National No Patrick Day. Now, I don't know what that means. I know it has something to do with SpongeBob. I'm sure if I called two, if not three of my children, they would know exactly what we're talking about here. I do not. But if you're a SpongeBob fan, today is No Patrick Day. And also, it's National Coconut Day. That has nothing to do with SpongeBob. It certainly feels like it has everything to do with this studio because we have this like coconut pina colada air freshener going on in here. Yeah, we also flooded last night slash this morning. And so in an effort to sorry, drown out the smells of the um, of the flooding. There is a couple of scented candles going on in here, and it's literally like a luau. So we, I guess, are celebrating. 
You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And while I have been joined by Nachum on the air before for a variety of different reasons, um, I have invited him and asked him to join me this morning specifically because Erev Rosh Hashanah is a huge milestone every year, but certainly this year. And so it is with honor and pleasure that I say good morning, Nachum Siegel. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on That's Life. I'm so happy you were available. <laughs> it's so nice to share a desk with you. Remarkable, huh? It is It is a little bit remarkable. <laughs> Usually Thursdays are very labadic around here, and so I was appreciative of the fact that you were able to share the time. Yeah, sure. Of course. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, Erev Rosh Hashanah is, is a bit of a dual milestone, isn't it? Well, this year it's really it's always a dual milestone uh, because that's the day that we uh, always uh, designate as the anniversary date for the start of JM and the AM back in 1983. Uh, this year, uh, not only is Erev Rosh Hashanah the, uh, the anniversary, but September the 6th, I think actually if you look back in 1983, it was September 7th, but whatever. We're talking about both the secular and Jewish anniversaries being observed basically on the same day, uh, 38 years later, hard to believe, and um, completing 40 years in radio because I, before I, when I was doing the show at WFMU, I was also doing shows at WYUR up at YU, uh, but I was doing shows at YUR for two years before I even walked into FMU. So it's really completion of 40 years on air on a regular basis and 38 on air with what we know as jam in the AM. So as the words come out of your mouth, can you believe it believe it as you say it? You know, it's funny. I um when I celebrated my 30th anniversary, I said to a bunch of people, I said, you know, 30 is so much more than 25. There's so many people who do 25 in a certain profession or industry. Uh 30 is just a it's completely different and 35 is like, you know, 35 25 a completely different stratosphere in my opinion. Once you start to hit 40, and please God, I should live and be well and hit 40, but once you start to hit 40, I think you're talking about you know, a lifetime. I, I, remember, um, I remember joking, or not, not joking, but discussing with one of the staff members at WFMU back in, I guess it was around uh, 1999, I guess around that area. I'd have to figure out exactly when. Uh, and he said to me, uh, he said, do you realize you've now spent more of your life at FMU than not at FMU? <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, I have now spent close to 65% of my life doing JM and the AM compared to the time of my life, including when I was a toddler and kid, that I wasn't doing <laughs> These are stats, man. JM and the AM. <laughs> and if you want to start from the age of 20, we're talking about basically doing it every day. Uh, on a regular basis since then, so it, it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. I, I was thinking earlier today that, you know, if you would have told me the first time I walked into the radio station that I'd be here doing this, and having you know made an impact all these years later, I never would have believed it. And sure enough, I don't believe it. So I, I guess my question then would be, how long did you think it would last? It's funny because because of the people around me and somewhat to a degree myself as well, uh, I I started out thinking it could only be a hobby or a short-lived project, or, you know, something that's just not viable to be, you know, spending time on every single day of one's working life. And then I think, and, and it all comes back, of course, to Camp Marisha, and I think, I think one of the, I think one of the factors was a, an important crossroads that happened in the summer of 1984. When it was time for me, I had been in Marisha as a staff member a few years, and it was time for me to, um, 
uh, to go to make a decision about whether I was going back to camp. Um, I said to Larry Waxman, who ironically was the person who got me the job at WFMU, I said, and he was the head counselor of Camp Marasha. I said to him, you know, I got to do the show. I got, you know, this is now what I want to do every day. And he said, well, get somebody else to do the show. Like, you know, why why can't you hold on to it and put someone else in that position for for six, seven, eight weeks? You know, and your days off, you could, you know, the whole thing. You can go in and do your show. Anyway, so I thought that was an important crossroads. Would I approach it as, okay, this has been a nice stint and I'm moving on? Or would it be, no, this has been a nice stint, but I, even though I love camp and love working there, I'm going to try to keep this, you know, mine as long as possible. That's what I did the first year. And that's what I did every summer through the summer of 87 and then past that, the summers in Missoura. I mean, now that I think back on it, it's unbelievable I got people to agree to actually sit in for six, seven weeks at a time. It's amazing. Um, but that's what happened. And I do remember coming back on days off <laughs> to do the show because that's insane. Right. <laughs> and, right. Which meant I used to leave like literally, you know, after dinner in camp because you were off the next day, but they had Brahmanas on me that I was I shouldn't leave at one AM and go straight to the radio station. <laughs> so I would leave the night before. I would basically get a couple hours of sleep, do the show, and then I'd spend the rest of that day sleeping. Because I had, and then drive back up to camp. So I never even had a real day off. Like, you know, the only real days off I remember in camp were the earlier years. After that, I never had a day off. I was always traveling back to, you know, to do this show or to take care of something. See, what people don't appreciate is that this anecdote is (laughs) indicative of, number one, an entire psychosis. (laughs) But also, this anecdote is one of a million along the same lines. Because... This isn't and this isn't the only and I'm going to put it this way crazy thing you have done to make sure you're oh, on the air. That's... It's not I would uh, I would argue as somebody <laughs> number one who's worked with you now oh my gosh going on 10 years but also someone who thank God has had the opportunity to discuss you and your career with you personally and 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 publicly we've had these discussions. I don't think this anecdote is in the top 10 of <laughs> nutty things that you have done to make sure you're on the air. That's true. And in fact, you know, those of you listening around the world, we had quite a hurricane last night, Hurricane Ida in the New York area. I'm sure you're aware of what it did to Louisiana and other states in the South, but it really destroyed New York and New Jersey to an extent last night as well. And I was saying to myself, if I was still in the era where I had to drive to Ugh. Jersey, what would I have done? Would you I have would gone? have slept in the studio. I probably would have gone last night and right. slept there. And, Please, you know. <laughs> are you kidding? What would you have done? The then, question is, what time would you have left? And I'm sure, I'm sure, I got I to gotta, I gotta call our, my, my old general manager and ask him how they did last night, because I'm sure they got flooded, at least in the basement, if not in the parking lot. And I, I was saying to myself, what I've done with the car, where would it have been, what can, where can I have left it? Anyway, it would it would have been quite a uh, quite a to do, but it would have gotten done. And and, and then done. and the best part is when you hit the air at six a.m. and the phone in the studio is ringing and ringing and ringing because people need to tell you how they can't believe you're there. That's the best. <laughs> I don't get that. I, since I'm across the street, I don't get that anymore. Right. Are Nobody they, cares that you walked across right, the street. Exactly. Congratulations they, that you made it like, across like the street. Like now, the extent of my you know horror from the storm is I have to describe that we have a wet carpet in here, you know, because of the flooding that came in. Yeah, your but, commute's now a killer. <laughs> right, but that's but that's about it. So I, I feel bad, sort of, that you know I'm on the air and I'm talking about the wet carpet instead of talking about cars that are floating away and how dangerous it was to actually try to get into the studio. Yeah. Well, I was on my way into the studio that took forever 
to get in here this morning and you and I are on the phone and I'm describing to you the abandoned cars that I'm seeing in right. the mud and the tracks and whatever. And of course, your commute, you didn't see any abandoned cars when you crossed <laughs> Grand Street, now did you? No. In fact, <laughs> in fact, the extent of the damage here was they removed all the recycling stuff because I assume the basement floor got completely oh wet. Oh my gosh. And they had to take down the carpet from the uh, from the uh, outside the elevators because again, it probably, I assume, got uh, soaking wet. So yeah, uh, that was the extent of what I saw. Not even any trees and limbs down this morning not that i'm complaining right uh but none of that stuff and um and when you see the videos of what people have gone through overnight you have to be really thankful and the funny thing about you the morning after a hurricane or any other natural disaster or frankly not the funny part but the interesting part of you after any kind of disaster is something that you and i have noted a number of times is that you being blessed in so many different ways by God are the right guy for the right time the morning after something goes wrong. Well, I hope so. I mean, again, last night we weren't in the thick of things, so it was hard for me to relate. And I'm sure for people who were really badgered last night by the weather, it was hard for them to relate to me. But, you know, I, I think I put everything in perspective and give everyone a, uh, you know, an angle to consider. Uh, this morning I spoke about... Uh, how if you wake up safe and sound this morning, just be thankful. And with the history of Jews, and this is really getting philosophical, with the history I of, think after 40 years you with, get to be philosophical. With the history of Jews and property, thank God this is the way property got damaged last night. Mm. Because generally speaking, when property got damaged in Jewish communities in the past, it was uh, it was the result of pogroms right. and, and the result of anti-Semitism. And I'm not saying that, that I'm not pleading with God to keep everyone's property safe. I wish he would have. But if it's going to happen, you know, thank God it happens like this and there's means of recovery. Right. Well, there's the, there was the morning after Mayron, and then there's the time mm. after Sandy and then after 9-11 and all of these times where you're the voice on the radio and people turn to you. <laughs> I'm laughing only because one of my favorite funny one of these stories I like the most is um, the morning after 9-11 uh, at 9 a.m. Someone was doing a radio show, a weekly radio show right after me. And they said to, they turned to me and they said. How do I do these disaster shows? You do them all the time, you know, because of course in those days, you know, there were terrorist attacks in Israel constantly. You do these all the time. What do I do? How do I do this? And I'm like, wow, to become an expert in how to react to disaster. That that's quite an item for the resume. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Very good at <laughs> skill set is. You can say that again. You're listening to that side here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and after 40 years on the air, coming up this week, what an anniversary! I'm joined again by Nahum Siegel as we discuss his history, and his career, and his future. So what would you tell if you could go back? And this is this is often what I think is an annoying question, but I think is a real question today because there are, you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot. You've heard a lot. There are many times where nothing shocks you anymore, and yet you're still so sympathetic and so emotional in, in a variety of different situations. What would you do if you could go back 40 years and tell your 20-year-old self then, or 18, how old were you when you was? Yeah, 20. 20. Your 20-year-old self at WYUR, what, oh, would, you 18, yeah. what would you tell that 18-year-old? Uh, well, the first thing I would say is uh, something called the Internet's going to be created. <laughs> <laughs> and here's how you get out there above and beyond everybody else when it does start. Um, but aside from that, what would I tell? I mean, the only thing that I regret, I mean, the only thing I regret, I would say I, I would say that completely against my mo, um, I took a concept that I didn't think that that nobody in my circles thought could work, meaning 
daily Jewish radio show, successful, supported, and then eventually into this network. I took it con- and I and I actually went ahead and created it. And the way and the reason I'm saying it like that is because it's so against my nature. My nature is that you know I I look at what's going on and then you know follow the right trend. You know I'm not the guy who's driving 30 years ago in Crown Heights and saying if I buy up all this property it's going to be worth <laughs> it's going to be worth an incredible amount of years. Right. I, I never think like that. So it's astounding to me that I thought like that or at least felt like that when I was starting off in this whole radio gig. Uh, but that might be the only thing I would tell my 20-year-old self that you're going to be ensconced in this earlier than you think. You're going to be it's this is going to be permanent earlier than you think. So I never had this permanence feeling. I always thought as I was going on first 5 years, 6 years, 7 years, you know, Am I going to be doing this or I'll be doing something else and this will be like a side thing that I happen to do every morning, you know, before 9 a.m.? It took years to get over that and to realize that this is what I am doing. It was really when I started an evening show, that's when it that's when it solidified because, you know, then when you're doing two shows a day, obviously you're working full-time in radio. Um, but that, that's something I may tell my 20-year-old self that um, that you're going to be in this so quickly and, and, and have a desire to just stay in it the rest of your life that jump in now. Don't you know, I always say God's greatest favor he did for me was getting me started early because mm. it takes 10 years for people to even realize you're around. <laughs> you even realize you're, so maybe those 10 years, God, the reason, the thing that he really did for me was because I'm not this aggressive person who's ready to jump in with these things. So maybe it was those 10 years that gave me the training or the background that I'd be able to finally do it. So maybe that was why you know he gave me those 10 years at the beginning. Uh, but that's what I would tell my 20-year-old self. You're going to be so in this and so drowning in in this pursuit that just jump in now and get going and you know and and build your donor base and build your uh you know your your network plans you know all these dreams that you're going to have of what you could do on the air to make a difference just start them now and would you tell your 20 year old self that you will become a household name well meaning it would be bad to alert that person that it's going to happen i don't know if it's good or bad but would you tell that person i might say you have the potential to become a household name because i'm not convinced yet that i'm a household name so i might <laughs> and say... in there lies the side <laughs> so i may i may say you have the potential to become a household name um it's funny because i i go to a lot of public events and i i always joke that i'm the greatest wholesaler because and and by great i don't just mean good at it i mean great that that there's zero retail in what I do because I'm literally speaking to so many people at once, always. Never one-on-one stuff right. that I'm doing. I'm not a rabbi who's delivering lectures or you know going around to different communities or or, or um, you know preparing a speech that you know 50 people are going to. You know, generally I don't do that. Um, so I so I always say that. Um, so if I go to an event, for instance, the majority of the people there are anonymous to me. I have zero idea who most people are because I, I, you know, I don't generally, I, you know, at, at any major. You event, might have done a few interviews in the last forty years. You don't remember right. everybody. So, yes. so most people are anonymous to me. So it's funny when, when at some of these events, it becomes obvious after a while that that a good number of people in the room know who I am, and that to me is, you know, eye opening even after all these years. Uh, so I don't know if I would say to the guy who's 20, you'll be a household name because then when he grows up and he doesn't feel that household name-ish, name-ish type, type mm-hmm. feeling, it, it'll be disappointing. When you discover it on your own and you have this revelation like, wow, there, you know, that I'm at a wedding last week and I'm sitting, literally sitting in the audience at this wedding, you know, at, after I made the chuppah announcement, I'm sitting with, you know, it's a, it's a basic Hasidic crowd. 
And someone sitting next to me looks like a very put-together, modern, business-type person, you know, dressed very differently than the Hasidic crowd. And he leans over to me and says something that was obvious that he heard this morning show. You know, <laughs> he heard that morning show. And I'm like, what? This guy? You know, right. knows who I am? Forget about the fact that he actually listened this morning. So that's why, that's my answer to, you know, what I tell the 20-year-old about the household name. Let him discover it on his own. You know, we have um, just a few moments left. What? I know. Crazy. How's that possible? I know, but you and I will be on the air in about 10 minutes. Oh, all right. Um, we had been talking on the way in as I was commuting in, and I joked with you, somewhat joking with you, that I had to get off the phone because I have an interview to prepare for. Right. And obviously, you and I have had numerous conversations personal, private, public, however you want to put it, about the trajectory of Nahum Siegel and JM and the AM and this network, etc. And what I find fascinating is that there is still so much to talk about. There is, There are chapters that haven't been written yet for the future of Nahum Siegel and certainly the future of the Nahum Siegel network. And I, I wonder sometimes about the naysayers, about the people who didn't think that either the network would fly or that you wouldn't be able to pull this off or a 24-year-old, 22-year-old, like, who's listening, right? Who's listening? Who's out there? Is he going to be able to retain an audience? Is he going to be able to grow an audience? And here you are, God bless, 40 years later. Loving everything that you do, loving the short commute to the long days <laughs> to the whole thing for a guy who gets up at four o'clock in the morning. What would you say to those naysayers now? Um, I would probably tell the naysayers <laughs> to download the app <laughs> that, I, that, I, that I was with you guys years ago. Mm. I wasn't positive that this thing could work, but you know what it is, and I don't know if it's like this for everybody that that pursues crazy stuff. Um. You, when when you're treading water, you refuse to drown. And I just, you know, there were times that we were really treading water, both in the era that you were here and obviously earlier than that. There, there are times you're treading water and things are precarious and difficult and, you know, you wonder how you're going to make it to the next day, but you just refuse to give up. And, uh, you know, it's it's. I wish, in all seriousness, I wish that we'd sometimes, I don't mean, I don't mean we meaning NSN, I mean in general, I wish human beings sometimes felt that urgency on a regular day. Mm. If I would feel the urgency on a regular day that I feel when our backs are against the wall, it would be we'd have a different type of network. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of someone once called me to help with an emergency yeshiva campaign. So I spoke to a certain Russian yeshiva that they told me to, you know, speak to about the validity of their campaign. He goes, "Yeah, you know, they they go they go along for half a year and things are normal and then they come to us for an emergency and you know, we take care of things and get them back on their feet." Mm. Like this is the tread, you know, this right. is how they Handle it. So, so sometimes, and because again, they also tread water and refuse to drown. So sometimes, I I would love for that sense of urgency to be felt all the time because you know that would probably make for a uh, a more stable network. But the reality is that uh, the to the naysayers, I would say that we are we are we refuse to drown. We refuse to give up. We refuse. I and others refuse to you know to ever let all these obstacles and hurdles. You know, get to us. And believe me, there are a lot of obstacles and hurdles like anybody has in their own business or in their own pursuits, even in organizations. There are a lot of hurdles. Um, but it's just as I would say to the naysayers, you could say anything you want for as long as you want. 
But in the end, we're not paying attention to you. On the way, we may pay attention to you, but in the end, we're not paying any attention to you. Well, I would say that that's good advice in general, and certainly going into Rosh Hashanah would, right, puts things in perspective. This was a strange year. Yes. For us, it was a a very strange year and a very devastating one. And for the community in general, not knowing a year ago, that we would again be looking for outdoor services on Rosh Hashanah. By the way, the conditions now, if they were like this today last year, we'd probably be dominating outside. It's just the fact that we're finally getting used to life the right. way it is that we're, you know, that like us, I know, thank God, at the New Springville Jewish Center Monday night, we'll be back in the shul. Nothing against the expansive Barnes & Noble we were in last <laughs> year that was, you know, that solved in the a so- mask. social distancing right. problem. But, you know, it's time to get back into a regular environment. If people are uncomfortable, they should adjust accordingly. Right. Well, it certainly has been a year. It's been a challenging year between COVID, between the loss of Mayor Weingarten, between so many different things. But again, we finish with strength. And so, Nahum, I I wish you continued strength. Thank you. As you you start into your 41st year. Yeah. It's a long time. That's a doozy. You start (laughs) into your 41st year. You should continue to have health and strength, and we should continue at this network to go Mikhail Ohio. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me this morning. Pleasure. Ah, you've been listening to that live here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course the afternoon continues with Nahum hosting the live lunch. I may, you know, chime in a couple of times. Let's see if Nahum critiques my interview today. I'm sure he will. Throwback Thursday starts at 1 p.m. The Encore of JM Rewind is at 4 p.m. And of course, our Shabbos show hosted by Mark Zomik, brought to you by our friends at Kedem, starts at 7 p.m. This evening, tomorrow morning, join Nahum as he hosts JM in the AIM starting at 6 a.m. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull. This Motzei Shabbat starting at 9 p.m. Matis hosts JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. I seem to be on a bit of a Yishai Rebo kick around here. I happen to love this song, and uh, tis the season, folks. This is Seder Ha'avoda by Yishai Rebo. That's life, everybody. Eshana Tova to all. Bye, guys. נכנס למקום שנכנס ועמד במקום שעמד בחצי ידיו רגליו טבל עליו ונסתפק בא ממקום שהוא בא והלך למקום שהלך פשט בגדי החול לבש בגדי
כשהיו שומעים את שם השם, המפורש יוצא מפי, כהן גדול היו קוראים, משתחווים ונופלים על פניהם. ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם ועד. Israel. 